Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Loudon Wainwright III just turned 75 years old. He's a singer and a songwriter. He did have a hit record in the early 1970s, Dead Skunk in the Middle of the Road. Crossing the highway late last night He should have looked left and he should have looked right He didn't see the station wagon car The skunk got squashed and there you are You got your dead skunk in the middle of the road He had a few other minor hits like Motel Blues, Lullaby, and one of my all-time favorites, The Swimming Song. He's been called a novelty singer at times in his career. At other times, he's been called the next Bob Dylan. Now I guess they call him an elder statesman of folk music. And honestly, I don't know how he felt or would feel about any of those. The best Loudon Wainwright songs, and he has written a lot of great songs, The best Loudon Wainwright songs are unrestrained and honest, sometimes brutally so. Often they're funny, sometimes they're sad, sometimes he howls them at the top of his lungs, sometimes they're whisper quiet. As I said, Loudon just turned 75. It's a milestone he commemorated with an album called Lifetime Achievement. Loudon Wainwright still has it. I'm going to interview him, but there's a bonus. He brought his guitar. He's going to sing a few songs for us. Oh, and also, before we get into the interview, we normally bleep swear words and obscenities on the podcast. Uh, For Loudon's performance, we're making an exception, so there will be a couple of unbleeped swears. Let's start with a recording from the album, Lifetime Achievement. The song is called Back in Your Town. I'm back in your town I'm walking around Crossing the street, unsure on my feet, and I'm carefully looking around because I'm back in your town. I'm back in this bird. Loud and Wainwright the third, welcome back to Bullseye. I'm so happy to have you back in the studio with us. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Or I guess I should say back in your studio with us. Where, where are you right now? Well, I am in the, uh, in the exotic uh, lower, lower east side of New York at my friend Dick Kinnett's uh, studio on Christie Street, where we made, actually made a lot of this, this new record. It was done right here in the very room that I'm sitting in. 
Do you want to start with a song from your new record, Lifetime Achievement? Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, this is a song. Don't act surprised, Loudon. We talked we, about the format. Yeah, okay, I just want to want to inject some spontaneity, <laughs> some phony spontaneity into the proceedings. <laughs> this is a perfect song to start with because this morning I got up really early. I normally I I reside out on the end reside out on the end of uh, Eastern Long Island. So I had to take the bus and. Uh, no, the train today. I took the train in and um, to come to the big, uh, the big, uh, as I, as my mother used to put it, and uh, as I sing in the song. This is called Town and Country. I'm in the city and the sirens are screaming all day, night long. It's twenty four seven. I'm on a mission. I'm in the city. I'm here. Been in the country, out on an island, feel good now, and I'm damn near smiling. I'm in the city, I can hardly believe that I'm here. I took the train when I got to the station, I felt a release. You could say it was elation just to be back in the city with all of you people down here. Thousands of faces I've never seen out of my mind in a fever dream. I'm in the city, I can hardly believe I'm here. Behind those masks is all those faces I'm so excited seeing parking spaces There's talking and there's laughing and there's singing and there's screaming down here I'm in the city, you better believe it I'm done with the country, no fun, I had to leave it The crickets made me nervous, I'm in the city, I'm here Last night we ate in a restaurant, fine wine, good food, all that we wanted Just like in the old days, sitting around having us a meal it was a little unstable A rat big as a cat ran under the table I guess the rats are all happy It's funny to eat down here yeah. A couple of drunkards on a subway train Made me feel right at home Yeah, not much changes When you're in the city Bright lights look pretty down here Afraid I might feel a little empty, but now that I'm here, go on, you can tempt me. Cause I'm here to get tempted, here to get rid of my fear. My dear mother was afraid of the city. She said, Don't go there, loudy, it's shady and it's shitty. She was raised in the country. What could that poor woman know? My father went to town, he was a working slob. Getting into trouble was his other job, and it's funny. Trouble in the city, that's why folks go, all right, let's go. Tomorrow morning, I'll be back on that train. Get me to the station, I'm going insane. Get me out of this city, it's a little too crazy for me. Trees, salt water, clean air, a warm feet, fireplace, and a rocket chair. Mother knew best, the city's too shitty for me.
smile I'm in the city I can hardly believe I'm here Oh, thank you, Loudon. That was so great. Thank you. Particularly for four o'clock in the afternoon. I really appreciate it. How holed up were you when you were holed up? Uh, we were pretty holed up because uh, of the you-know-what. Uh, yeah, So sure. we were way out there in this um, this place on the end of the island there, and which was great because uh, it was, a, relatively speaking, quite a safe uh, location. And uh, for most of the last three years, I've been out there coming into town for uh, maintenance, I call it, uh, doctor appointments and the like, but um, mostly out on that island there. It must have been very different, not only not to tour, but to know that you weren't going to be touring for a while. Yeah. And then there was the thing of, we would set up a tour in, in two weeks, I'm going to go on this UK tour, which has been postponed twice now. We had an entire, like everybody else, you know, lots of work set up, and then it's got canceled. So, yeah, the whole thing, I don't have to tell any of your people. Every, it was weird for everybody. Me too. I think a lot about this thing that Tom Lair said, and I know you were a Tom Lair fan when you were a kid, but he had this, you know, he stopped making music after, I don't know, about five years. And he had this famous quote that was, uh, <laughs> what's the use of having laurels if you don't rest on them? Mm. And uh, <laughs> That's so Tom. He's a funny dude. Yeah. And I wonder if having this like enforced quiet time changed your relationship with work. I suppose it did. I mean... Um... Because, you know, when I'm touring, I mean, I'm that's another kind of work. But my other kind of work where I'm just sitting around my house living and then occasionally writing a song, I mean, uh, that didn't change. I didn't write a lot more during the pandemic. I mean, I wrote the usual amount of stuff, although I did reference the pandemic as I do uh, in that last song I did. But... Um, you know, it it, it just it, it didn't feel all that different. The first year felt different. You know, you'd wake up and say, "God, it's it's Friday again." But um, other than that, uh, it's a piece of cake, a snap. More with Loudon Wainwright after the break. Stay with us. It's Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. Welcome back to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. If you're just joining us, I'm talking with Loudon Wainwright III, the veteran folk singer and songwriter just celebrated his 75th birthday with a brand new album called Lifetime Achievement. Let's get back into our conversation. Do you play music for fun around the house? Well, I try to play a little bit every day and, and it's fun, but it's, it's for fun and it's for fun and for work too. I didn't come from a musical family, and my wife did, not professional amateur musicians. And when we first started dating as teenagers, 
I was so baffled by my wife, her siblings, and her father kind of sitting around in the living room with guitars and stuff in their hands. Mm -hmm. It was so foreign to me <laughs> that they just doodle around while they were talking. Is that a ukulele I see in your um, domain there? It is, but I taught myself to play it like two years ago, so it doesn't count as me being an actual musician. I'm the worst professional musician ever to sing at Lincoln Center. <laughs> but is that part of is that part of your life to sit in an easy chair and there's a guitar sitting there and you're just uh playing camp town races or something? No, not really. I mean, what I do is I sit in the easy chair and and stare at the television or read a book or something and then then I think well, I should go down and try to do something with my career. So then I go down into my little man cave with my little instruments and I, I might play camp down races just for fun or, but I might also take a whack at writing something or stuff like that. It's, it's all kind of meandering and random though. I've been doing it for, for 50 years and 30 albums, but it's the way I, why I operate. Did you miss performing? I, I certainly did not miss going to the airport and checking into the hotel and the schlep, you know, getting from A to B. And I haven't missed, you know, I've hated that for almost for a long time. But the the heart of the matter, the real part of the job, which is going and singing the songs for people, I did miss that. And when I, when I started to go out and do it again, it was delightful and fun and... Uh, Everybody seemed to be having a good time. So uh, th that aspect I did miss. There's a song on your new record called FamVac that is kind of a, a journey through some feelings that I, I also recognized. I would ask you to introduce it, but I think you might as well play it because it introduces itself. Yeah, yeah, let me just... Focused on my family 
I'll throw down some hot dogs, burgers, and some chicken. I'll burn them all in effigy. I'll be patient and loving, not to mention detached. When I'm dealing with my kid and my kid, we all need a family vacation. You got to keep the mushbook at bay. Tolstoy got it right when he wrote each unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. As for brother and sister, we're playing Twister. That's a cover-up to keep ourselves hid from each other. I need a family vacation. My family needs a vacation from me. Because your dearest and nearest, they're the most dangerous. They're the ones that make ya. That's right, your dearest and nearest. They're the most dangerous. They're the ones that make you fucking crazy. Jean-Paul Sartre said it. Hell is other people. So I was thinking about the arc of your career. That's a pretty funny song, a very funny song. Uh, it's far from just a funny song. You have recorded songs all the way along the funny song spectrum from very serious, not funny at all to like full on novelty songs. Yeah. Do you like novelty songs? I love novelty songs. You know, we mentioned Tom Lehrer. Um yeah, I, I, you know, he was a, and is because he's, he's still alive and kicking up there in Cambridge, Massachusetts, as far as I know, a hero of mine. You know, I loved Stan Freeberg, and um, you know, my my favorite songwriter is Roger Miller. I think, in a way, just because he he could be funny, but also, you know, he could also be very moving and. Um, I don't know about if serious is the right word, but, you know, moving. I like moving. So, yeah, I like funny, but I, it also allows you, if you do a funny song, then you can trick them and do something that will break their hearts. That's a fun <laughs> thing to do. I mean, I think there's a lot of great country songs that are – you can take a lot of tones and a lot of perspectives in country music, and – Roger Miller is such a wonderful example of that, you know, like there's everything from warm to a little heartbreaking to 
straight funny in his songs, you know, yeah. and it's such a it's such a great thing. Yeah, he was he was remarkable, uh, and what a great singer! Boy, sang the the heck out of those songs with his little acoustic nylon string guitar. I actually met him once uh, in Los Angeles. It was years and years ago. There was a thing. I guess the Troubadour, is the Troubadour still there on Santa Monica Boulevard? As far as I know. Yeah, well, it used to be the happening place. This would have been in the 1970s. And Phil Oakes, the legendary, uh, long ago, unfortunately, deceased singer-songwriter Phil Oakes, there was kind of a Phil Oakes festival at the Troubadour, and Phil was there, and they, and he had they had all kinds of guest singers, and I was one of them. and And Roger Miller came one night and sang, and uh, it was was a very nice fellow. Also, he died too soon, too. Actually, Roger Miller also had a bit of straight show business to him, and I get the impression that you like the idea of you know being an entertainer doing show business which isn't true for everybody with an acoustic guitar you know what i mean uh yeah my first manager was a guy called uh milton kramer <laughs> all of these people are, are long gone but uh you know i said something once when i was 24 like entertaining is an honorable profession and he liked that so much that he made some pencils up that had that on the pencil you know number 2 pencils <laughs> entertaining is an honorable profession but uh it is you know um you provide a service uh i mean it's not only to distract people but again you you have the option of moving them in one direction or another and uh, affecting them, so it's a it's a very important job. Do you want to play another song? Yeah, uh, let's see. What should I play? Well, well, what about the f the first song from your first record? Oh, okay. Days? Yeah. Did you think I did a good job selling that we had not discussed what songs you would play beforehand? Yeah, I think you've completely fooled everybody, including me. Thank you. I'm going to start doing those NPR news two ways where they say like, well, what's Dick Cheney's angle on this? Uh -huh. And then the reporter says like, well, reports are saying that. Right. Then they read the answer. Yeah. This is a song called School Days. It was the first song on my first record. Um, and boy, it was a record. You know, it was a vinyl record uh, called Loudon Wainwright Third. <laughs> And uh, it is about this boarding school that I used to go to uh, many, many years ago in the early 1960s in Middletown, Delaware, a place called St. Andrews. It's very likely that uh, people w would have seen this place because it was the boarding school that uh, they used in the, uh, the Dead Poets Society movie. They, they went down to Delaware and shot it at my old boarding school. So it was a great-looking place, that's for sure. Anyway, here it is. In Delaware, when I was younger, I would live the life obscene 
Thank you for that you're welcome how does your relationship with a song about callow youth change between when you're 25 and when you're 75 hmm. i don't know i mean again that song is a lot of the songs that i wrote at the beginning of my career on the first few records i have gone by the wayside that is to say i don't uh, have the desire or feel the need to perform them. And and a lot of them I've actually forgotten. But I don't know, I can still relate to that song even as a 75-year-old guy. And, and, and it does say in Delaware when I was younger. So, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm set up to do, you know, I can, it's perfect for a 75-year-old guy, actually, that one. When you're 30 albums in, do you hear songs that you recorded long ago and get surprised by them you mean when i listen to the recordings of them yeah or if someone says to you oh gosh i i like to sing this one or 
you know, someone plays one back to you, or even if you play it back in your own, you know, in your memory. Yeah, I think there is an element of surprise. And, and I mean, in some cases, I hear hear things that are on the records, and I cringe. And I, I, my idea of a bad time would be to sit around. I had to do a box set about 12 years ago, and I was required to go back and listen to all my records, all the tracks on them. And boy, I hated that. But it was a dirty job, and I was the guy that had to do it. But uh, occasionally I'll be delighted by something I've done or something that somebody really likes of mine. Um, uh, yeah. So on the subject of show business and doing show business, you were on a few episodes of M.A.S.H. Yeah. As an actor, but you also sang and... I had never seen those episodes, or at least didn't remember seeing those episodes. I definitely watched a lot of MASH as a, you know, as an eight-year-old on a, on UHF on a black and white TV, you know. Mm -hmm. But I went on YouTube and was watching them, and I just, I just loved this song, and I, I wanted to play it because it's only like a minute long on the show. And one of the things that I like about it is it's such a beautiful song, and it's, um, and the theme of this episode is such a it's such a mash thing because it's such a sitcom premise which is that the all the nurses are gone so it's it's just us guys right but it also has this kind of wistful sweet song in the middle of it so i wanted to play it well it's funny when they're here how we take for granted The way they taste, the way they feel Their sight, their smell, their sound And it's funny when they're gone Just how bad we miss them And how life can be so empty When they're not around do you remember that? Sure, I yeah, yeah. I what I remember about it was I originally, you know, they what those guys that on Mash did that were, quite often they tell me the situation, and then I would actually go in some room, and have to come up with a song in, in a couple of hours. But the original song that I came up with is a song of mine, which I actually recorded about three years after I wrote it that they didn't like. Which I think is a better song. Absence makes the heart grow fonder And the mind begins to wander back To happier days Guess you could say you were taken for granted I went on and on And I raved and I ran it over My tyrannical way Now things are different Now you are gone I'm not so sure I can carry on Anyway, I, I, <laughs> that's a song called Absence Makes the Heart Grow Fonder, which I thought was great, and I played it for Larry Gelbart and uh, Gene Reynolds, who were the guys who produced the TV show. And they said, well, I don't know. I, I don't love that. So I went back into my room and came up with that other one. But I'm glad you like it. I like that they were making you write songs on the 
sitcom schedule, like on a guest actor schedule. Yeah. You know, go, go in, <laughs> get in your trailer. We have some photography for some scenes you're not in. When you come back, could you have a song for Well, us? it was kind of like that. I mean, I there was an episode. I only did three episodes, but one of them was called, um, it was about Douglas MacArthur coming to the, uh, the MASH unit camp. And uh, I, 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 you know, I didn't know anything about Douglas MacArthur, really. Uh, so they gave me a, you know, a kind of folder of MacArthur bio stuff. And I had to go into a room and come up with this, um, another song, which which I like a lot, which is a song called Five Gold Stars, which they did use and did like in that. And it mentions exotic Korean locations like Inchon and stuff like that. It must have been something else to go on television, sing a song, and then when that episode comes out, realize that 18 million people, 25% of the people in the United States who had their television on at that time had seen you sing that song. Yeah. Well, I see people, you know, because MASH is in reruns, of course, people are always saying to me, hey, I saw you on MASH last night. Boy, what happened to you? <laughs> you looked so young. But it was, uh, you know, it was more than 50 years ago. But it was a, yeah, it was a huge, uh, it was a big show to be on. that, And it was fun to be on it. How did it affect your career to have that very unusual, huge credit? Well, people always ask me about MASH. And, uh... <laughs> And uh, uh, then I give... I mean, the other thing is MASH is super good. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's plenty of huge sitcoms that aren't that great. No, the writing is very good. And uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy about all the stuff I got to do, you know, that, that's going to be in my obituary. Like, he was on MASH for three episodes, and Dead Skunk in the Middle of the Road was number one in Little Rock, Arkansas for uh, six weeks or whatever. But uh, I'm delighted when anybody uh, likes anything I do. <laughs> That's why I got into show business. Somebody on Twitter, after I mentioned that you were coming on the show today, replied to me and said, you know, in the 80s, I had a nighttime job and I would watch David Letterman in the morning. He used to come on David Letterman. And I thought it was the greatest. Going on Letterman's morning shows about his high credibility uh, talk show appearances you can make. <laughs> I was the first, uh, and that was the first week of that show when it was on earlier in the day. And um, I was on all week, actually. But, uh, you know, um, that's how everybody saw that. And, uh, you know, Judd Apatow, who I've worked with on a couple of different things, uh, that's, you know, when he was 14 living in Syos at Long Island. That's when he saw me on the on the morning Letterman show. He thought I was pretty funny, so he st started to come into New York City and see me playing in the clubs. But um, yeah, that was another uh, landmark appearance, I suppose, the Letterman show. We'll wrap up with Loudon Wainwright in just a bit. When we come back, we'll talk about how different Loudon's career would have been if he'd had a huge chart-topping smash hit single, and honestly, whether he would even want that. It's Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. 
Maximum Fun is a network by and for cool, popular people. But did you know it also has an offering designed to appeal to nerds? A show for nerds? On Maximum Fun? The devil, you say? It's true. It's called The Greatest Generation, and they review episodes of a television program for nerds called Star Trek. They've reviewed TNG, DS9, and are now reviewing Voyager. Hey, Star Trek. My daughter enjoys that program. Well, if she enjoys that, and she enjoys humor of the flatulent variety, might I recommend she subscribe to The Greatest Generation? Hey, are you calling my kid a nerd? Why, I oughta... Well, gotta go! Become a friend of DeSoto by subscribing to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org today! It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. I'm talking with Loudon Wainwright III. His new album is called Lifetime Achievement. Do you want to play the title track from your new record? Shall we do that? Yeah. This song is called Lifetime Achievement, and it is the title of this record that I made with my wonderful friends, uh, Dick Kinnett, and uh, whose studio we're in today, and or I'm in, and uh, my other wonderful friend, Stuart Lerman. I have lived a lifetime It's hard to be believed I'm near the end, time's almost up so what have I achieved? I have done and won some things. Awards, I have a few. But the biggest prize, the great surprise, is I managed to win you. Trophies on my mantelpiece. Citations on my wall Accolades and autographs Yes, I guess I've got them all But all these honors don't add up To all that much It's true That the biggest prize The great surprise is I managed to win you Gold records and blue ribbons Bronze statuettes and plaques We all want to be winners Admit it, face the facts But I couldn't win what I craved the most that's the thing we all dream of It's the loving cup we long for With our names engraved in love As for my life achievement It's just a hill of beans Justified is not what it all means. 
I have done and won some things, but I lost myself. Who knew that the biggest prize, the great surprise, is I managed to find you who needs cash and prizes. It's beautiful. Thanks. For a guy who has a great song on this record about desperately needing to escape his family, you also have quite a few songs and bits of songs on this record that are about not just love, but, you know, companionship love, Mm -hmm. domesticity. I get the impression that getting comfortable with that was hard earned for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, well, that song, you know, I mean, it's about my girlfriend, Susan, but it's also about, I've come to, you know, you write these things and you're, sometimes you're not quite sure what it's about. And that, and, uh, but I think it's also about my audience, you know, it could be sung to an audience. And then of course it could be, Love with a capital L, you know, whatever the heck that is, the big love. But, um, yeah, it's a rather uncharacteristic, very optimistic song. (laughs) And I feel very fortunate to have been uh, given it by the people, or not the people, but whatever, wherever this stuff comes from. Do you think you would have had a better or more enjoyable or preferable career if you had a big hit song? Or a couple big hit songs? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, I did have a kind of a hit song, uh, the aforementioned Dead Skunk in the Middle of the Road. And uh, and uh, that got to be a pain in the ass, of course, because the, the where's the funny animal song on the album? I don't get it. In fact, uh, we, we were talking earlier about the swimming song. I mean, Dead Skunk came out in 72, and that was a, a big radio thing. And then... Um, then the next single I gave them was the swimming song, but they said, no, no, we need a funny animal song. So, um, but if I'd had hits, let's see, what would have been, you know, who the hell knows? It all worked out perfectly. <laughs> it's still working out perfectly, you know? I'm getting to do what I always wanted to do, which is to be in, sing and write, and I have these friends that, that help me make these records, which we, uh, we we got to make another record that we like and that people seem to like. And I'm just, uh, I'm in great shape, feeling good about everything. You got me on a good day. I think like a lot of people, I had a lot of pain and difficulty in my life and my family during the pandemic. And Swimming Song was a song that I listened to a lot during that time. And since thinking about what it's like to remain engaged with the world when it's really hard. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the circumstances in your life when you wrote that track? Well, what, what I remember, and I wrote it a long time ago. I mean, I wrote it probably in 1973. You know, my first wife was a great uh, 
She's, she also is no longer with us. I'm talking about Kate McGarrigal, but and the mother of Rufus and Martha Wainwright. Kate was a great songwriter and a great uh, musician and taught me how to play the banjo. Unfortunately, I don't have a banjo with me today. But you know, when I when I the swimming song, you know, I don't I don't again. I wasn't sure where the heck I love to swim. You know, I, I swam as a kid. I was on the swim team at the Bedford Golf and Tennis Club, and and I still you know uh, I went swimming yesterday in Gardner's Bay out on the end of Long Island. Swimming has has saved my life. And I'm not and I'm not speaking lightly about that. I mean, when I get into the water and move around, I feel better. Uh, so um, that's all you really need to know. It, it, it more than any of my songs, it's been recorded by other people. Kate recorded it. Earl Scruggs recorded it twice. Well, the Avid Brothers did it, uh, and uh, people like it. Shall I play it for you? Please, thank you. Summer, I might have drowned, but I held my breath and I kicked my feet and I moved my arms around. Moved my arms around. This summer, I swam in the ocean, I swam in the swimming pool. Salt my wounds, chlorine my eyes. I'm a self destructive fool. I'm a self destructive fool. You know that that's not all I did the breaststroke And the butterfly And the old Australian crawl The old Australian crawl This summer I swam In a public place A reservoir The mood at the latter I was informal At the former I wore my suit Swan dives, jackknives for you all. But once when you weren't looking, I did a cannonball. Yeah, I did a cannonball. This summer I went swimming. This summer I might have drowned. Held my breath, kick my feet, and I move my arms around. I move my arms. You wrote this little song about Liza Minnelli, who you knew as a kid, and somebody played it for her, and the thing that she said, and this I'm paraphrasing from memory, was uh, she listened to this song. It's a beautiful little song about kind of just loving a childhood friend, you know? And Mm -hmm. the thing she said about it was he's going to lose his voice if he keeps singing like that. (laughs) Yeah, 
Yeah, she said, uh, oh, I know a good vocal coach. He needs he's going to ruin his voice if he keeps singing that. that. <laughs> anyway, as you were giving those songs, you're all at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, so grateful to you for for doing it. Thank you so much for for those performances. Well, I enjoyed uh, hanging out with you, and uh, thanks for having me. Loudon Wainwright, the best. His new album is called Lifetime Achievement. You can get it wherever you listen to music. And a quick heads up, if you listen to this on the radio, we have a longer version of this interview with even more songs uh, that I recommend you download if you like this. Uh, you can grab it in your favorite podcast app or on our website and give it a listen or share it with somebody. That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye is created from the homes of me and the staff of Maximum Fun in and around greater Los Angeles, California, where, look, I don't know if you've heard, but it's been hot. Our show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our senior producer is Kevin Ferguson. Our producers are Jesus Ambrosio and Richard Roby. Our production fellow at Maximum Fun is Tabitha Myers. We get booking help sometimes from Mara Davis. Special thanks this week to the folks at Second Story Studios in New York City for recording Loudon Wainwright III. Our interstitial music is by DJW, also known as Dan Wally. Our theme song is Huddle Formation, written and recorded by The Go Team. Thanks to The Go Team and Memphis Industries for sharing that with us. Go buy a Go Team album, They Rule. Bullseye is also on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. You can find us, follow us, and we will share with you our interviews in those places. You can then share them with others. I guess that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. NPR.